0: Nothing gave Buttercup as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around.
1: Farm boy, polish my horse's saddle. I want to see my face shining in it by morning. As you wish. As you wish was all he ever said to her. Farm boy, fill these with water, please. As you wish. That
0: day, she was amazed to discover that when he was saying, as you wish, what he meant was... It's
1: Fun Fiction! Yes! Yes! You didn't tell me where the out on this was! And that's the best bit! (laughs) So welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like and I rest well and dream of large women. Scotty Moore! (laughs) I've got my
0: country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilder to frame for it. I'm swamped that I'm making danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. This is a movie I've not seen in a very, very long time in the, in the Princess Bride. I guess I should say what movie we're talking about. <laughs> um, and then I rewatched it yesterday, and I realized, holy fuck, this movie is not just, like, good in general— It's insane how much this exists in, like, the cultural osmosis of, Mm -hmm. like, as you go from scene to scene, you're like, okay, that's the scene from this movie that everyone talks about. Then you go to the next scene, you're like, wait, no, it's this scene. Wait, no, oh, (laughs) shit, it's all in here, huh?
0: It's it's every scene. Yeah, I make it a point to rewatch it every few years. Um, Yeah. And I love it dearly.
1: The reason I initially watched it... Um, and I always tell this story when Princess Bride gets brought up not to shit on this person. Uh, I, I adore them. But my ex-girlfriend hated this movie because, and I i am not sure how this happened, they thought it was supposed to be a genuine princess movie, oh, like a no. genuine <laughs> adventure movie. And I remember watching it with her and just being like, Really? Because <laughs> this is not it. This ain't <laughs> it, Chief, at all. This is clearly a joke. Oh, gosh. It's such a good, like, teardown of every single trope in this type of movie that exists. But but it does it all while still being, like, this very, like,
0: almost sincere feeling, like, comforting yeah. kind of movie. That it, it The fact that it manages to ride that line is...
1: It's very, Wait. and this is a weird comparison. It's very cabin in the woods, where it's clearly <laughs> it's tearing apart a genre and making fun of it, but also it's just doing that genre very well at the exact same time.
0: I'm upset with how well a compare, like how well that works as a comparison,
1: because
0: <laughs> yeah, kinda. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and it's just so interesting, um, just as an adaptation of the book which yes that, fa- that face you're making is what i expected um
1: <laughs> the what now this is like when i found out shrek was a book before it was a movie I'm like, yeah that no. got me too
0: yeah no it was funny even uh rj was asking what we were gonna be uh recording and i said princess bride and he thought he was being like sassy he's like oh the book or the movie and i'm like well i mean i'm gonna talk about both and he stopped and went it what
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a what now <laughs>
0: So I'm just gonna front load that here because there's some fun facts. The book is very different, okay. Um, but in a way that it would have to to be like the movie couldn't like oh, but it does. See, it's so fucking smart. So yeah, I really wanted to tell people about the book because most people don't know that there's a book. I did not know there was a book till I was like 15, I think. Yeah. And someone got it for me for my birthday. Um, I have no idea who. I don't think it was my parents because like. They knew what I liked. You know, I didn't ask for this. So I either was probably like some like one of my parents, friends or like a adult relative or some shit it like Megan reads books.
1: It was your grandpa who came in and was like, hey, kid, I got a story to read you tonight. Both of my grandpas
0: were dead before I was born. So that would be a little terrifying. <laughs> that, well,
1: that was the real horror of this. story.
0: <laughs> Peter Falk came into my home. <laughs> uh but yeah no so you know at age 15 I was not ready to appreciate the book because I'd you know I'd seen in the movie however many times since I was a little kid um and so the book is written by a dude named William Go- uh blah, blah, blah.
1: William Goldman. Uh, He also wrote the screenplay as well. I'm on a fun facts website as well.
0: (laughs) My fun facts are up here, bitch. Um, (laughs) I pointed at my forehead for anyone (laughs) listening at home. Uh, So he's also he was a movie screenwriter. Uh, He wrote the screenplay for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, among others. Holy shit. Okay. He was a big thing back in the day. Uh, But anyway, so the conceit of the book is that it was written originally by S. Morgenstern. And William Golding uh, is translating and abridging it because the thing is, he remembers, his as a character in this story, the author William Golding remembers, yeah, I remember when my dad would read me this story at night and I loved it so much and that he finds the book and he's like, oh, oh, this is actually like, a really crazy like s- political satire full of all these weird details about florin and gilder that no one cares about oh my dad was just reading me the fun fairy tale adventure bits i'm going to i'm going to figure i'm going to cre- uh, translate in a version that, oh, that only rules. has those bits and so the book is that basically and like every now and then there'll be a footnote or something where he's explaining like this really boring shit that he cut out but Uh then also like stuff about his personal life starts leaking through like he's got like an ex-wife or something and like a really horrible relationship with his son and that he wanted to try to fix it by making by you know adapting the book just like how his dad did for him now in real life he uh, had two young daughters who were like seven and four at the time. And he's like, what should daddy write a book about? And they were like, princesses, brides. And he's like, I can work with this.
1: He's a princess and bride. Put them together. You got it, kids. Welcome to Hollywood.
0: So as a 15 year old, I was not at a stage to enjoy uh, a, a like postmodernist meta narrative yeah. Uh, that both is an exploration of like the work of translation and also fairy tale tropes. So mm-hmm. I was like this is bullshit. I hate it. And then I went back and read it later as an adult when I became pretentious and love meta narratives now and I was like this is amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, have I told you about my favorite book I've never read and I will probably never read?
0: No, but with the intro like that I have to know.
1: It's uh it's called S, I believe. JJ Abrams created it and it is physically looks like a library copy of a book called the ship of theseus and oh god i
0: already know where this is going
1: <laughs> well kind of and then when you open it up there is an actual like library card in it with information on it and then as you flip through the pages there are two college students who are writing in the margins and you're learning a story about them there's a the actual story of the book then there's a third story going on that's actually like a mystery and like crime happening and then as you flip through you get additional like a, uh, a napkin they wrote a map on or like a uh, so, like a seat not seeing eye puzzle what's it called like a, a decoder ring basically to decode hidden messages and i'm like that's great i'm never gonna do all the work to appreciate this it's great that you did this
0: that does actually sound really like cool <laughs> that mm-hmm. sounds like house of leaves but fun <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> oh actually that was the one
0: other thing i want to talk about before we shift focus just to the movie um which is that There was, this book has an old-timey ARG in it.
1: What? Yes! Yes!
0: So, because that was the other thing, is, like, just picking up the book, you might be convinced that this was a real thing, you know? That there really was a Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern and that William uh, Golden was just, like, doing his thing. Uh, And so there's a part where he talks about, um, oh, I wanted, I felt like the reunion scene was like not touching enough. And I wanted to like rewrite it. But uh legally, the estate of like S. Morganstern was not like cool. Down with, with that. it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that he uh he added nothing to the text but he wants to write the reunion scene and he's just like, you know, um there's like legal issues. But if you want to read it, write to my publisher, uh like Random House or whatever, and request a copy. And so people did and what Ooh. they got, they get, they get a letter and it was not the extra scene, but it was a fictitious de- detailing of the legal problems that Goldman and his publishers encountered with the Morgan Stern estate and its lawyer, Kermit Shog.
1: Oh, I love
0: this so much. The letter was revised and updated periodically. The 1987 revision mentioned the movie adaptation. The 25th uh, anniversary edition published the letter with an addendum about Kermit's granddaughter Carly, who was now the new lawyer. (laughs) The 30th anniversary edition has a footnote that the three stages of the reunion scene were now available online. However, the website itself contained nothing but the text of the original three letters um so this is so good (laughs) (laughs) so for years for for decades decades people who didn't know better could write in and be like hey i want this scene and get a fake letter being like no legally you can't
1: (laughs) oh my god i adore this see i knew you would love that (laughs) i came in ready to talk about how much i love this movie now i'm just sad i haven't experienced the book yet
0: i i hugely recommend it to people um just because it is really interesting and because almost no one knows it exists because the movie you know just
1: fully took over yeah decimated yes
0: so now we can totally just talk about the movie but i just i had to fit that in at the beginning
1: <laughs> i can inigo montoya to a ridiculous level
0: <laughs> yeah, i fucking love what
1: <laughs> he fucking rips he's so like, cool yeah he's cooler than wesley like let's be honest <laughs> well i mean that's one of the things like i was saying how it kind of tears down the genre the main hero as great as he is nowhere near as good as the sidekick Anigo could clearly like kick his ass at some points uh the other thing that i thought about with this is like you expect in one of these stories that at the end the hero has the big triumphant battle and like even uh even uh, tiny fred savage says it himself like <laughs> someone's gotta kill him right he's gotta die and it's like no not really they just tie him up and leave which is not what you'd expect but it's a lot more satisfying it
0: is. I mean, that whole monologue is so fucking good. That's a pro
1: wrestling promo. Fall on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to take out your eyes. I'm going to take out your tongue. whatever. Oh, yes, of course. And my ear's next. No, you keep your perfect ears. So that every time someone sees you shambling nearby and yells, dear God, what is that thing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Carrie fucking always, man. Jesus Christ.
0: I know. Ugh. I mean, they they literally gave him the job because they said he was like a Douglas Fairbanks type. Yeah. Um and then it's really funny because then he went on to to because they're like, oh, he reminds us of the guy who played like old like swashbuckling types in Robin Hood, and then he goes on to play parody Robin Hood.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then you also have a boy from Spinal Tap. You got it goes to Eleven Boy in here who gets to play just a serious <laughs> villain. And I'm like, you can't be. S- I know who you are. <laughs> but see, even then, like
0: he is a serious villain and he does actually feel like kind of scary in parts, but like he's still so funny. Like the the bit that I recited earlier is like my yeah. opening thing that when he responds to it, he's like, "Get some rest. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, main, main bad guy whose name I consistently forget might be the douchiest douche that ever did douche, huh?
0: Scotty, how can you forget his name when it's fucking Humperdink?
1: That is right. It is Humperdink, And he does look like he would be like a a, a, a Las Vegas lounge singer if he just didn't have that outfit on. <laughs>
0: He does, yeah. His Prince Humperdinck. I don't know how you could forget a name like that. That was the other thing. Is the the two names that Goldman said he thought of before any of the other ones because he knew like this was going to set the tone were Buttercup and Humperdinck. Those <laughs> do like, resonate. This is what I'm working on.
1: <laughs> Those resonate the most, really, in the whole film. <laughs> of oh, they're named fucking what? They're named what <laughs> Excuse now? Excuse me. There's one scene, and I absolutely adore it, but God, it comes out of nowhere. And it is when they go go and see Billy Crystal in his fun little shack. <laughs> uh,
0: the director, Rob Ryder would have to leave the set because he kept fucking up the takes because he was laughing.
1: That's what I'm reading. Uh, it's uh, on, on the fun facts from Mental Floss. Miracle Max <laughs> really was that funny, and you're not even seeing his best stuff. Uh, unfortunately for viewers, many of the improvised jokes Billy Crystal did were not fit for a family-friendly film. Only the cast and crew know how funny his more crude takes were.
0: God, I wish. Oh, I wish they had those fucking outtakes.
1: Apparently, uh, oh, someone bruised a rib trying not to laugh Yeah, it him. was,
0: it was Indigo. It was the actor who played Indigo, Mandy Patinkin, because- Mm -hmm. there was this whole thing of like all the injuries that everyone got and he's like actually i was fine the only time i hurt myself was i bruised a rib trying not to fucking laugh (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. and then apparently him and uh, crystal and carol kane came up with like lengthy backstories for their characters (laughs) that they would just keep like iterating on every single few minutes that's so good. Uh, yeah, let's see. We've got uh, Carrie filmed many of his scenes with a broken toe. Yes, so cool. which, which he
0: he broke because Andre the Giant. So apparently he w- would ride an ATV around like the set or whatever.
1: Andre would. Yeah. Or Carrie would. Yeah.
0: No, okay. Andre the Giant would. And he was like, Carrie, you got to ride my super fun ATV. It rules. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, I guess he immediately like rammed it into a rock and got his toe crushed between like the gas pedal and like the floor and then he tried to hide it and pretend like it didn't happen because it was very embarrassing so there's a few scenes um i don't remember where exactly i think it's actually after he gets like pushed down the hill where he is visibly limping and that's not part of like the (laughs) acting that's him just being like
1: it's fine it's fine no one needs to know uh let's see at one point uh, another injury when the count has to knock out Wesley. Oh,
0: yeah, and he told him, just fucking go for it.
1: And then he knocked him on
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's like, just do it for real. So it might have not even been that a bunch of people were injured. It might have been that Carrie always just kept injuring himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gary got the shit beat out of him on this. Um, and then, of course, the final scene was cut from the movie, which I'm not, I don't know if I'm happy about or not, because the film does end pretty abruptly for me like it does uh, it, yeah it uh, it ended very uh monty python and the holy grail of we did it movies over it leave <laughs> it's done it's, now so do you know why it's like that uh well it appears that the alternate ending had fred savage going to his window and then seeing <laughs> them outside <laughs>
0: <laughs> which would have I you know what I'm here for it the ending in the book is mm-hmm. um that the grandfather tries to or not the great well that they tried to be like you know and then you know it was happily ever after like you said which is very abrupt and that Goldman's like You know, character Goldman, not real dude Goldman, was like... And then I found out later that my dad, like, left out this whole thing with the ending where... the You know, men are after them, and it goes, wound reopens, and, like, something's wrong with Wesley... Because his body still ain't working right, and, like, it just ends like that. It just ends with, like... Stuff's going wrong, see you
1: next time. Just sequel bait. The biggest amount of sequel bait. Um, Yeah, that was something that both this viewing and last viewing made me audibly gasp is when indigo gets stabbed like it's the I, I remember just being like no what no that's not because in my mind i'm like well it's subverting all the tropes so it would be pretty subversive for him to not get revenge
0: <laughs> it's true but you can't you can't deny him because really, maybe it was subversive that he actually got the revenge and he didn't decide to be the bigger person. Be like, I don't mm-hmm. need this. It's like, mm, no, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> you
1: know, I fucking want this. And that is the most badass scene. And well, I guess the their first fencing scene is also pretty badass. But the scene of him just constantly repeating, I'm in I'm in Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. <laughs> Prepare to die over and over and over again as he's just fucking murdering. This dude <laughs> was dope. Offer me money.
0: Offer me power, offer me anything I want. <laughs> want my father back, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, oh that's good. That's it's some good. So shit. good. I I've watched the uh the the celebrity quippy version. <laughs>
1: Okay, no, yeah, we got to discuss this one real quick. We got to really lay this one down real quick.
0: (laughs) So quarantine is hard on
1: everyone. (laughs) Hey, did you like that? The fucking John Lennon video they released. Imagine if that was a full length presentation of the film, The Princess Bride. I
0: mean, some bits of it are charming. Mm -hmm. Uh like Jack Black's bit is pretty good. Oh, who's he uh, play? He's uh Wesley. It's it's the uh the fencing scene is him and Diego Luna as Okay, uh, that's Inigo. not bad. Yeah, well cuz that's the thing is is every like Scene is like a every like minute or so is just a different actor's like fucking backyard
1: or whatever. Yeah, every Quibby or so is the correct
0: yeah, I, <laughs> Look, I watched it on YouTube. I'm still not exactly sure what Quibby is. Someone, someone literally like went to the trouble of like grabbing all of the bits and uh-huh. putting them on YouTube together. uh But so for that, the scene where Inigo kills the Count uh the count is if i'm recalling correctly brian cranston and Itigo's javier bardem i think and what they a- play it completely like they're using like pool noodles or some <laughs> bullshit but like acting wise like most people are just like hey, we're having a good time Pe- pedro pascal is oh. Itigo during the uh the goofy rhyming on the boat scene i don't remember who oh i do remember who's physic uh jason um what's his face from how i met your mother
1: Oh, oh, uh, Jason Siegel. yeah, him. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but anyway, Brian Cranston did it out. So most people are like, hey, you know, having a good time, being like, hey, we're we're having fun. The two of them play it completely straight,
1: <laughs> like it's the finale of Breaking Bad again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking No Country for
0: Old Men up in this shit, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just like. Oh, this is happening. <laughs>
1: this is this is what y'all are. This is what y'all have chosen to do with this. I need to look this up and just see everyone who they got in this garbage. Oh to yeah, because it's basically everyone,
0: and the only reason it happened is because everybody was in their fucking house with nothing better to do.
1: Well, it's oh, it's apparently called Home Movie: The Princess Bride. Um, okay, a selection of of Wesley's. Chris Pine, Common. <laughs> okay, oh yeah, I'm... Common and Tiffany Haddish do one together. <laughs> that's good. Sophie Turner, Dave David Spade, David Spade as Wesley. Oh, it's it. That's nothing. Trust me.
0: Yes, yes. I looked at Fezzik. First name Dave Batista. Yes, yes. Oh, Carrie Carrie always isn't it too?
1: Oh, Okay, um, awesome. I'm
0: pretty sure he's Humperdink.
1: Oh, wait, really? Yeah, Hold on, look, let me go through Ooh, Thomas Lennon would make a very good Humperdink. Yep. I see it. Carrie Elwes. This is weird It's giving you like a select your own cast of who you Basically, want. Basically, yeah I think I wouldn't mind JK being like I'm gonna need some pictures of physic <laughs> on my desk in the morning <laughs> I guess yeah, we should probably talk about Wallace Shawn Inconceivable, Probably. inconceivable boy because that scene is would you argue that's the most iconic one in the whole thing yeah i'd say it's definitely up there mm-hmm. and the the ultimate punch line at the end of it ah so it wasn't poison no i've just developed a very big resistance Okay, pat.
0: i just poisoned the shit out of both of them it's fine <laughs>
1: Uh, it but never,
0: yeah. I, it's like, I don't even want to do the impression because I know it's just going to be horrible for people to listen to.
1: Inconceivable I turn into Daffy Duck. I mine is yeah. Daffy free. <laughs> uh yeah. Never w- go to something with a Sicilian when
0: death is on the line.
1: Boom. just falls <laughs> on the earth. Uh so yeah, that, that scene kicks ass. Uh, I consider that the precursor to what Twitter is now, as he's just sitting there arguing <laughs> with himself for a solid three minutes. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. see, do I have any other notes? Uh let's see. Prince Humperdeek is a big old doucheboy. There we go. Yep, that's on there. <laughs> um And about the Okay, that's all. That's all I have in my notes. <laughs> oh, I forgot. This is also something I enjoy. I enjoy '80s puppetry so fucking much because the eels <laughs> ripped <laughs> ass.
0: Yeah,
1: no, the eels are great,
0: and, and that's uh, unique to the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, the book. It was just that there's sharks, and then although this would have been sick, Vizzini, uh literally c- like cuts himself on the arm so that he has a cup of his blood, and is like, "I'm gonna throw this in the water so the sharks come and like fucking." get you and i guess like for the movie rob roger's like what if we didn't
1: do that what if we pull that <laughs> back a little bit what, what if a- eels what was it also you- uh, originally
0: the uh, the pit of despair there's a whole Holy second shit. thing where the albino <laughs> dude uh has yep. a thing there called the zoo of death and Fezzik and Inigo have to traverse the zoo of death to get to Wesley. And at one point, they just can't see anything because it's so dark. But they know there's some kind of fucked up animal coming for them. And Inigo has to fight blind.
1: Holy shit. Yeah, the existential dread of just a machine that's like, and that just took one year of your life away. And another, and another. I'm like, oh, this <laughs> fucking sucks. This was a fun, fun goof movie. And then you had to throw this shit in here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the eels were great. And then also, were they called the RUSs, the rodents of unusual size? <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, and I do have one other good story about those. Okay. Uh, One of the dude because those are all uh dudes in costumes, the, mm-hmm. the R-O-U-Ss. And so at one point when they were getting ready to shoot, one of them wasn't there. <laughs> Because he'd been arrested.
1: Oh, okay. Because he'd
0: gone out. He'd gone out drinking the night before, and he was uh, pulled over for speeding. And when they like did a breathalyzer on him, um, realized that he was intoxicated. They put him in jail, (laughs) and so they had to go like fucking bail him out. We know we need him. (laughs) We need him to go play a
1: rat. rat. Uh, He tried to keep up with Andre is what it was. That's what happened. Probably. God, he's so good. It's a shame that man lived in constant pain every single minute of his life.
0: Pretty much. He couldn't even, like, his back and everything was so fucked up at that point. Anytime you see him carrying anyone, they're in a harness.
1: Yeah. And then, like, in the world of uh, wrestling, that man did not bump. He did not hit the mat. I was reading a... uh, a bit. I may have been doing research for my fan fiction on Andre. And uh he was talking oh, no, about... you wrote a fucking wrestling thing, didn't you? Anyways, no, no, <laughs> it's not wrestling. Um, but is talking about him fighting Ultimate Warrior. Because I was like, Did he ever fight Warrior for reasons that definitely don't have anything to do with my fan fiction And uh he goes, Yeah, one of Andre's biggest bits was uh Warrior would clothesline him once, twice You know the big like it's like oh he's gonna fall finally right yeah instead all Andre could do was wrap his arms up in the ropes so that way he's still leaning so he couldn't actually like fall fully so oh my god yeah he said uh, the first time that him and Warrior did that he got one clothesline two clotheslines then he just held up his fist and Warrior ran into it because he's a big (laughs) big fucking idiot. All right, um, do we want to get in
0: to some fun fiction? I, I guess we ought to because we could otherwise probably talk about this forever. And
1: yeah, I All know right.
0: you've you've got a yarn to spin.
1: Do you want to <laughs> spin your yarn first or would you like me to spin mine? You can spin yours first because honestly, mine's mine's going to go down better second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In the history of piracy, it's told that pirates held in the most highest echelon of infamy are men who go by many names. But in my experience, the most infamous pirate was actually many men who went by one name, the Dread Pirate Roberts, a title handed down oh, for generations. We did
0: even talk about the goddamn Dread Pirate Roberts <laughs> and how great a line of good night, Wesley. Good work. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Mm-hmm. Fuck. All right. Sorry.
1: Continue. (laughs) A title handed down for generation after generation of pirates. There were Dread Pirate Roberts who were wicked men that ruled the seas with an iron fist. But then there were Dread Pirate Roberts who simply wanted to reunite with a lost love. Today, however, I want to talk about a Dread Pirate Roberts who didn't know who the Dread Pirate Roberts truly was. Our story begins at a massive fencing competition, held in the seediest outreaches of the kingdom. In the stands sits the dread pirate Roberts himself, although they normally introduce themselves as Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. It was a very lengthy introduction. Sitting at his side was the hulking, gentle giant known as Fezzik. The duo had large containers of roasted chicken in their laps that they were heartily consuming as they took in the fencing competition. You know Fezik, Inigo commented. These guys are all show, no substance. I could heartily defeat them in seconds. And that's using my left hand. The duo chuckle as the first fencer takes the stage, a flamboyantly dressed gentleman wearing a feather in his cap. The judge orders the fight to begin, and the flamboyant man stared down his opponent from across the arena. He tosses his hat into the air and within mere seconds manages to outwit and defeat his opponent before reaching up and grabbing his hat moments before it could even hit the ground. Are you sure about that, Datingo? Fezzik asks with a smile as the announcer calls out, your winner, the Savage, gentleman. Suddenly, the man grabs the announcer by the collar and tosses him from the podium, I garnering like boos and <laughs> jeers from from his formerly adoring audience. Ooh, yeah! <laughs> He cries to the heavens. Fuck and it's just a preview, yeah. What's waiting on <laughs> any of you punks? They want to step into the ring with the savage gentleman, yeah. Because I am the cream of the crop, can't be stopped. Destined to make it to the top, yeah. He <laughs> rushes over to a fan holding the banner of another fighter and quickly carves his name into the banner, ripping it to shreds. Get that Draproni's name out of here. Yeah, because there ain't a single guy in the back that can go toe-to-toe with me. Dig it?
0: Oh, yeah, to the
1: pain. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna take out your eyeball, yeah. (laughs) Uh, he can, a voice calls out from the audience, holding the hand of his friend to the sky. He said he can beat you in seconds with his left hand. (laughs) Fezzik. Fezik please stop. Inigo comments as the crowd goes silent and all turn to look at him. Um that was an off-handed remark. I've had um much brandy tonight. <laughs> Inigo laughs nervously as the savage holds out his fencing sword towards him. What's your name, little man? <laughs> he comments as Fezik picks up Inigo and begins carrying him down the steps of the Colosseum. I am um, Inigo thinks for a moment before wrestling himself free from Fezzik's arms and leaping onto his shoulders before doing a forward somersault and landing on the earth in front of his potential opponent. I'm the Dread Pirate Roberts. You have insulted my name. Prepare to die. <laughs> You're the Dread Pirate Roberts, the gentleman comments before he and the entire arena erupt into <laughs> laughter. Yeah, and I'm the King of England. Nice to meet you. I, I mean it. I'm the Dread Pirate, Roberts, and you would be wise to step down from this fight, my friend. Well, fighting wise ain't ever been the Savage's strategy, so how about this? I'll give you three minutes, Roberts. Three minutes of time. (laughs) The duo begin to circle each other, and the savage gentleman immediately approaches with a flurry of dizzying advances, forcing Inigo to go on to the quick defense, a place he wasn't the most comfortable in. Inigo finally gains some courage after a few quick parries and unleashes a mighty riposte. But unfortunately, the savage avoids it by cartwheeling out of the way to the cheers of the crowd. He then quickly delivers a hit to the shoulder of Inigo. One point to me, pirate man. The savage taunts as Inigo attempts to brush (laughs) off his frustration by unleashing a violent series of attacks, which were all quickly dodged by his opponent, who merely yawns in response, frustrating Inigo even more, who leaps into the air and attempts for another hit, but once again, his opponent outwits him, sidestepping and delivering a hit straight to the ribs. That's two points, one more, and you're going to be crying all the way back to your rowboat, yeah. Never. Inigo returns and once again unleashes a fury of attacks. this time backing him up to the steps. The steps. <laughs> the the stip- oh, he's going to the steps. He's going <laughs> up the steps of the arena. The duo now find themselves dueling up and down the makeshift stone staircase as the savage mocks Inigo further. You can't win, Roberts. I have the high ground. Which is just real. <laughs> the, savages, the savage suddenly became hesitant due to the fact that he felt a massive wall behind him. The only problem being that there were no walls in this coliseum. He slowly turns around to discover a hulking giant behind him who looks down at him with a smile. It's Fezzik
0: with the steel chair!
1: (laughs) Hello! Ah! The savage screams as he turns around to Inigo who drops to his back and monkey flips the gentleman over his body and into the center of the coliseum himself. Inigo quickly recovers and rushes in before the savage gentleman can make it back to his feet and unleashes a violent flurry of strikes that results in the judge quickly calling out, one, two, three, hit, and announcing to the crowd (laughs) that the winner of this bout was none other than the Dread Pirate Roberts. You're gonna regret this, Roberts, the savage gentleman yells out. You win, you're giant. Inigo, that was amazing, Fezzik says, excitedly rushing towards his friend. Well, I could not do it without you, my friend. Inigo smiles and shakes the hand of the giant when suddenly they are approached by a quite regal man, clad in blue robes. Now that was a fight! What a maneuver! He cries out, offering his hand to the duo. The name's Lord Vincent McMahon, and I'd oh, like to shit. make you two an offer. You see, attendance has been down. (laughs) (laughs) Attendance has been down lately for the WFF, the World Fencing Federation, and we need some new blood to get the crowds going. And I think the answer is the Dread Pirate Roberts and his giant. My name's Fezzik. Not anymore, pal. You're Fezzik, the giant. (laughs) <laughs> Lord Vincent declared and days later the duo found themselves on posters all over the kingdom announcing they were set to fight again this weekend in another epic fencing match but this time it wasn't one-on-one you see the savage gentleman didn't take kindly to Fezzik's interference in his and Inigo's bout and is bringing a mystery partner along to stop the newly crowned Fezzik the Giant from interfering Inigo, I don't know anything about fencing, you know that right? Fezzik nervously comments, looking down at Inigo, who is in full Dread Pirate Roberts attire, (laughs) featuring an oversized red hat with a yellow feather trailing behind it and a large red coat trailing down to his feet with yellow adornments up and down it. Fezzik the Giant, on the other hand, found himself dressed in an uncomfortable all-black unitard with just one strap pulled over his shoulder. Okay, so I
0: I know that that's what they made Andre the Giant wear... Yeah, And it, it's just so weird. What's, what's Inigo's outfit a reference to? Uh,
1: Well, it's, it's a guy around that time who wore a lot of red and yellow. Uh, his mania was running wild every once in a while. Don't put that on, Inigo! It's, it's for a reason. It's okay. I have a reason <laughs> behind this. It will be okay, my friend. Your size will be enough for you, brother. Inigo comments as the doors in front of them slowly begin to open. But Inigo... Ladies and gentlemen! The announcer, a Sir Brewstifer Buffer, announces to the excited crowd. (laughs) It's time for your main event! Introducing first, to my right, making their official debuts tonight, the Dread Pirate Roberts and Fezzik, the (laughs) Giants! The roar of the crowd filled their ears as Fezzik and Inigo rushed out before an adoring crowd that was sending flowers raining down onto them while wearing customized petticoats and hairbands featuring the newly created logo for the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> Inigo took in the adulation with excitement. Fezzik, not so much. And their opponents, introducing first, weighing 245 pounds, they call him the Savage. GENTLEMEN! And with that, loud fanfare began blasting throughout the arena as a nearby band began to play the Savage out for his bout. You know, we really need to think about a theme song, Fezzik. Inigo comments as the Savage takes center stage and the horns begin to quiet, when suddenly the drums begin thumping in time to a quick pace. Eventually, the horns join in as well as the announcer calls out, AND HIS PARTNER! Hailing from parts unknown, the world's greatest warrior. Suddenly, the doors holding the competitor's back burst off their hinges as a madman with unkempt hair and painted face rushed down and began running circles around the arena, shaking his rapier up and down as adrenaline flowed through his veins. He finally comes to a stop in front of our heroes, snarling and gnashing his teeth. The announcer looks to the crowd, who all sit in baited anticipation before finally calling out, Let's get ready to do fencing! (laughs) And just like that, the two sets of warriors began to face one another in heated combat. The savage gentleman immediately rushing Fezzik, seeking revenge for his interference in his previous bout, while Inigo found himself forced to deal with the warrior himself a man who seemingly possessed literally no skills with a sword or even cared about this sport at all he only cared about destruction and that destruction was soon to come to one Inigo Montoya who found himself being chased around the arena by the hulking beast who was still pumping his hands over his head Meanwhile, the Savage had learned some techniques since their previous bout and seemingly had Fezzik on the out-and-out, forcing him to dodge a strike with his blade that sent Fezzik tumbling forward into a refreshment stand that was of course selling the Dread Pirate's Root Beer. Heh, look at you, the Savage laughs mockingly as he looks down at Fezzik. Not so big, are you, giant? No, you're just a sad little man on the inside. Yeah, a sad little man who's working second fiddle for that punk. He holds out his blade and gestures to Inigo being lifted into the air by the warrior and sent flying into a bale of nearby hay. And that's all you'll ever be, big man. Just a sidekick. The savage holds his blade to the sky, getting ready to bring it down against Fezzik when suddenly the massive palm of the giant stops the blade in midair, forcing the savage's eyes to open wide until Fezzik yanks forward, pulling the sword and the savage forward (laughs) where he comically plummets into a vat of root beer. Something had changed in Fezzik. He stands, frustrated, before roaring to the crowd, which generated uproarious applause. This also distracts the warrior before he could land his final blow on Inigo. The snarling monster of a man reaches down and rips Inigo's blade out of his hand and approaches Fezzik, the paint melting from his face, blending with sweat. He swings wildly and connects the rapier with Fezzik's stomach, but the giant does not go down. The warrior stands up in confusion before backing up and unleashing a second attack, but once again, the giant stands defiant against him. Frustrated, the warrior finally... You see why I told that story? Finally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the warrior rushes him with all his might, holding that sword to the sky before finding his face crashing into the fist of Fezzik, forcing the warrior to fall in just one hit. The winner of the match, Fezzik, the giant... The announcer calls as Inigo pulls himself out of the hay, spitting straw out of his mouth and coming to join Fezzik in the center of the arena. And his partner, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Inigo begins blowing kisses to the crowd as the judge raises Fezzik and his hands to the air when the unthinkable happens. Inigo's waving hand is suddenly grabbed by the giant, who suddenly brings a massive fist down onto the skull of Inigo, nearly chopping through it the bone itself. Inigo falls to the ground in a heap as the crowd begins to boo wildly. Fezzik grabs the fanciful pirate hat from atop Inigo's head and rips it in half before stomping on it. There is no dread pirate, Roberts, Fezzik cries to the heavens. There never was. There is only... The Giant! Now look at me! Fezzik grabs Inigo by the jacket, ripping him, or ripping it as he pulls him up to eye level. I'm here, and I'm here for one reason only to challenge you for the World Fencing Championship at Fencing Mania 3. And with that, oh, Fezzik tosses in and go back. to the earth, where he lay in a heap before exiting on his own as the crowd boos, flinging old tomatoes, rotted heads of lettuce, and of course novelty collector cups filled with root beer down into the arena. One would think Sir Vincent McMahon would detest these actions by Fezzik and fine him, or perhaps never allow him to compete in this great sport of fencing ever again, but... That, unfortunately, is to assume that Sir Vincent McMahon was an individual with a strong moral character. The reality is, Sir Vincent had gold in his eyes, and he knew that a main event of Fezzik vs. Inigo would soar buy rates for the upcoming Fencing Mania 3, and promptly got to work hiring an artist to draw up an excellent poster which featured Fezzik and Inigo staring eye to eye, the headline reading The Giant vs. Dreadamania at Fencing Mania 3. Everything was shaping up to be a true clash of champions at Fence and Mania, but things got even more shocking just days before their scheduled bout, as Inigo nervously paced around the chambers of Sir McMahon, clutching his fencing championship to his chest, readying for their contract signing. He looked up in horror to discover that, as Fezzik walked into the room, he wasn't alone. He was joined by none other than the savage gentleman himself. What? No, Fezzik. Fasic, you you cannot do this. What are you doing with him? After everything he's done to me, after everything he's done to the fans, why why him, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that what he said? Well, you see, the Giants brought me along to make sure you ain't going to try to cheat him out out of what's rightfully his. And it's that WFF championship over your shoulder. Which, by the way, Mr. McMahon, I pray you got my alterations to our little contract here. Because Fezzik and I want a brand new WFF championship. You see, that belt right there was made for a puny little punk like the Dread Pirate Roberts. But we need a belt built for a giant, nay, built for the eighth wonder of the world, yeah. I, uh, I can have that arranged. McMahon comments as he slides the contract forward to both Fezzik and Inigo. Fezzik, I, I know you walked in here with him, but you don't have to walk out with him. You can walk out with me. Together. Like always. Roberts, this ain't negotiable. You made your bed and now it's time to lean in it. Yeah, because 15 years, 15 years, this Giant's gone undefeated. And in the few days you've had that championship, you've disrespected him, you've talked behind his back, and you've never once given him a chance, have you, Inigo? Oh, what did you call me? That's right. I know who you really are, Inigo Montoya. I knew you were always lying about that Dread Pirate Robert stuff. Nice gimmick, kid, but one you just weren't able to live up to, was it? The savage gentleman smiles as he hands a quill to Fezzik, who stares down Inigo, looking him in his eyes as he signs that contract, before grabbing his old friend once again, showing his strength to his opponent, before smiling and releasing him to fall to the earth in a heap confused as to who his friend had become, and confused as to who he had become. The Dread Pirate Roberts. It is a name to be feared, Indigo quietly utters as he grabs the quill and contract. The Dread Pirate Roberts is not a man to be trifled with. He is a man that does not step down from a fight. I am not sure who I have been these past few days. I am not sure what this belt is, has turned me into, but Fezik, I want to thank you for reminding me of who I am. He looks down, sorrowfully knowing what he has to do and who he has to become as he signs his name, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Days later, the big event finally begins. Fence in Mania 3, the show taking place in Her Royal Majesty's Pontiac Silverdome, featured an exciting array of matches on the undercard, including the savage gentleman going toe-to-toe with a dragon, a local bard battling against a wicked serpent, and a flamboyant man named Adonis being hastily defeated by a man known only as the Hot Scot. But that's not why 93,173 debated people showed up that evening. They showed up to see the Dread Pirate Roberts topple a giant. The match had a shocking start as Fezzik allowed Inigo to land two hits on him, putting himself drastically behind. His ego had grown to a point where he believed he wouldn't need to make up the points. He would end this one in a knockout, as you do in fencing. Even more shocking, however, was what came next. Inigo prepared to land a third hit, and much like his battle with the savage gentleman, Fezzik grabbed the sword in his massive palm and attempts to yank Inigo forward. But unfortunately, the Dread Pirate Roberts had other plans, using the momentum of that pull to send him in a beautiful forward somersault where he lands behind Fezzik and attempts to lock him in a chokehold, a tip handed to him by one Sir Wesley. That's from the Princess Bride. <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: that one's not for wrestling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Fezzik had also learned from his past as he quickly ducks down and snaps Inigo forward before taking his own rapier and bending it in half, hooking it around Inigo's neck and pulling it tight.
0: Scotty, I really worry that you don't know how swords work.
1: No, uh, I think Andre the Giant could build, sn- like, bend a rapier. Maybe. <laughs> Or snake, I don't
0: know if he could, into a,
1: like a... A you? I think he <laughs> could do it. Anyways I think it would
0: break for, and, and, and will that, just the fact of how many people keep grabbing swords out of each other, well, like, no. that would... And,
1: no, with uh, fencing, they're, like, dull on all sides, because the point is just to poke each other with them, I believe.
0: That's not what a rapier is, though. A rapier oh, no. and The fencing, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it, it be, it be, I don't know how it's, those are two different things, I'm, I'm quite certain.
1: Hey, everybody at home, every time I said rapier during this, just imagine I meant that stick that they use in fencing. <laughs> uh, Fezzik takes the uh, takes the not rapier, bends it in half, hooks it around <laughs> Inigo's neck and pulls it tight. Inigo, now wrapped in a serpent of metal, has nowhere to go and nowhere to run, the light from his eyes beginning to fade as Fezzik drives his knee into Inigo's lower back, giving him even more leverage to pull back tightly until his friend's head falls limp. Fezzik smiles at a job well done as he lets Inigo's body fall to the ground, unconscious. The judge rushes over as a hush falls over the crowd, their champion laying in a pile. He performs the most medical procedure they could think of to test if the dread pirate Roberts was still fit to compete, which of course was lifting up one of his hands and letting it fall to the earth. (laughs) One! He calls out. He lifts Inigo's hand once again, and it falls to the earth in another heap. Two! Tears well in the eyes of the men, women, and children in attendance as that hand gets lifted one last time. But it does not fall. It stands defiant as Inigo's fist begins to pump wildly in the air as the crowd rises to their feet. Fezzik, in a panic, rushes over and delivers a vicious punch to the jaw, but Inigo continues to rise, his body shaking as if going into a state of overdrive. Fezzik continues to attempt to knock him down, but every single attempt is met with that same growing fury in the eyes of Inigo Montoya, nay, in the eyes of the Dread Pirate Roberts. He finally points a finger at Fezzik as if to let his old friend know his time was up. He rushes him and unleashes a mighty strike with his forearm that sends him tumbling back. Then a second Fezzik tries for a strike but Robert ducks it before doing the unthinkable. Grabbing the giant himself and lifting him into the air before slamming him to the earth with a massive thud and the crowd loses their fucking minds. (laughs) Anago smirks as he grabs a nearby knot rapier and holds it to Fezzik's chest. This is the end for you, my friend. And he merely taps the giant's chest to register the third point and gain victory and retain his WFF championship to the roar of his adoring public. Even though Fezzik was really totally in the right on the whole thing, and Inigo was just been like kind of a dick the whole time, and honestly, this was—he was the worst part of the entire feud. It's arguable that Inigo was responsible for like all of the worst things to ever happen to the world of profe- professional fencing because, like, he was champion just as the fencing got big. Everyone assumes that he was great, even though he's just hey, like a hey, racist. Hey, Scotty,
0: what what podcast
1: are we on again? Welcome to Fight Boys Show. <laughs> <dump. laughs> Anyways, that's my story. Fred Savage go to bed. I Had written a whole nother half paragraph where I was ranting about how much I hate Hulk Hogan <laughs> I was, going I was not much.
0: gonna let you do it
1: <laughs> D- Did you have fun I have fun with it I had a go- I mean you can't if If a wrestle boys here Good chance. Scotty to do a wrestle thing. I'm just saying.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I it's I, I saw I what would I say I saw it coming i could not have predicted this which was delightful but i I knew it was going to factor in somewhere (laughs) Uh
1: yeah i i i was like well i remember what happened the last time i tried to do real wrestling let's do fencing instead (laughs) which point i had to look at myself in the mirror and ask myself a question scotty do you know anything about fencing and myself replied no let's do it anyways it's gonna say never let that stop you (laughs) remember kids don't let ignorance stop you from living your dreams
0: (laughs) (laughs) some people say
1: right what you know those people are fucking cowards (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right well that's what i did what did you do this week so uh i actually had a little bit of a, a hard time with this which
0: was rough, because, like, I picked this one, but I, I just picked it because I love it so much, which I should know better than by now, because when it's something that I really love, apart from maybe, like, Gravity Falls or something, I have a really hard time trying to write things for it. I, I almost did a scene that would have been, like, the Dread Pirate Roberts uh doing, like, a job interview type thing with the uh, steed bonnet from Our Flag Means Death, Uh oh. but... I felt like that was maybe too specific and also i would have had to like try to maintain a new zealand accent throughout and that would not have worked that would not have been good
1: uh so gosh show's so fucking good
0: it's real good i mean we we might end up doing one on that i don't know oh yeah (laughs) but uh so i i did what i what i often do when i feel like i'm really struggling uh with a concept and that is see what other fanfic writers are doing just you know fire up the old archive of our own and take a peek and you know what i learned scotty yeah people really really love doing the princess bride with marvel and star wars characters okay yeah they like to they like to a lot lot of writers seem to enjoy using princess bride as like the set dressing
1: now, to be fair, this has already happened in actual Marvel canon with uh, that weird Deadpool thing they did, where they just recut Deadpool two to be for kids. Oh, But also, yeah. they had well, Deadpool telling the whole story to Fred Savage.
0: Yes. <laughs> but no, I I mean, like they they literally like writers like to just be like, all right, it's the Princess Bride, but like. Iron Man is... By which, you know, it's always fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Our, our DJ is playing the Wesley and Loki's Buttercup because I have specific wants and needs. I'm like, <laughs> hey, more power to you, my dude. A lot of Star Wars. I think that was what threw me the most.
1: A lot of Star Wars. I could see it. I think it could actually be potentially very, very fun. Uh, so, I thought
0: that okay why not pander to our audience
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> very scared right now
0: well it's okay it's less of it's not a fic it's a cast list and a concept and you know maybe doing some certain lines and silly voices okay because like uh at first i was like oh maybe like i'm a grandpa scotty's the grandson But then I would have to do the voice that I did at the very beginning, which is not it's it's not so much a Peter Falk as it is a Stan Lee.
1: (laughs) I realized that when I started doing it, too. I was like, fuck, this is just Stan Stan Lee, Lee, isn't it?
0: (laughs) If you if you can't handle me at my Stan Lee, you don't deserve (laughs) me at my Peter Falk, which is a shirt you now need
1: to make. I'm I'm realizing we need to extend beyond shirts bumper sticker That's a good dad is a bumper sticker it's a bumper sticker that's gonna give someone an
0: aneurysm trying to figure <laughs> it out <laughs> uh but then i remembered the deadpool thing and i'm like okay no deadpool is grandpa telling the story but it's tom Holland's spider-man who's been having to listen to it
1: <laughs>
0: okay and it's the story you know, a, a story of the ages, uh, a story of, you know, just uh, a young person, two two young people together on a farm, falling in love, and okay. you know, uh, one of them, <laughs> one of them worked in the stables, and uh, the other. <laughs>
1: I am just sitting here waiting for the prestige. <laughs> I am waiting for the prestige to well, drop. Well, the other one
0: would like to, to order them around and, and say things like, you know, farm boy, are you telling me a shrimp fried this rice? No! <laughs> <laughs> and the other, the other farm, the farm person spot. <laughs> I hate the government <laughs> I <love> my podcasts <laughs> my, my pronouns are unknowable and unkillable but eventually what Dr. Strange Cup realized was every time Hawk Babadook said that what they were really saying was I love you <laughs> unfortunately Hawk Babadook went to sea and died there <laughs> Possibly by Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse might have copyright struck him down.
1: <laughs> the and Dread then, Pirate Mickey Mouse. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh, good work there, Hawk Babadook. Good night. Good job. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> uh, and that, of course, left poor Doctor Strange Cup open to be forced into marriage with the, the evil duo. In the land, uh, the, the evil prince and the count—you know, Prince Hobbs and Count Shaw. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here's where you're gonna have to help me out. I can't remember
1: who was Hobbs is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Shaw is Jason Statham.
0: Okay, so yeah, I did it right. That's perfect because now you're gonna have Jason Statham's, which is being like. <laughs> Oh, I just sucked one year of your life away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a multiverse. There's a
0: multiverse. <laughs> and I, you know, I can't even think of like a thing for Humperdinck, but you know, it's great. It's fine. Uh huh. Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> uh, but as her as her wedding night uh neared. She was kidnapped by a, a trio of just the most lovable fucking idiots you've ever done seen. <laughs> uh, that would be you and me. Oh,
1: okay. Trio. I'm, well, I'm getting there. Oh, okay.
0: Uh, I was gonna be Inigo, and you were gonna be Fezic, and uh, the only reason that that was that way was because Fezic's played by a wrestler.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we're led by 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 the. Uh, <laughs> By an evil little man who done talk funny. It's <laughs> Jeff and D. and Oh, you're telling me they got away. That's inconceivable!
1: <laughs> That's <laughs>
0: inconceivable.
1: <laughs> A wise man will put the poison into his own gum, expecting <laughs> me to switch it, you see. <laughs> Just do you and just start going and do it better than I could. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were setting it up to be me, you, and Charles. And I was like, don't call Charles a little man with a silly voice. I'm dead. No, God.
0: <laughs> no, the Jeff, I think in terms of our podcast, Jeffy Dean Morgan's quite a bit yeah, um, more <laughs> iconic than <laughs> Charles just- Joseph Kelly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is going to be real ironic given something we're about to have to announce in a few. <laughs> yeah,
0: well. Um uh, and then uh you see we what, what gets complicated is when they go see Miracle Max and his wife and it is just you and me again but we're wearing <laughs> wigs. <laughs>
1: No change in the voice. No change no. in anything from here down. Just wearing a wig.
0: It's just like we're. It's cutting back and forth like A shot, B shot, A shot, B shot. Because <laughs> Fezko and Eko are in that scene as well.
1: This is arguably worse than the Quibby. I
0: it, think. Oh, oh, it is it, it undoubtedly worse than the Quibby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh and uh shit i had the i want to put that on our page now is like a is like a review (laughs) five (laughs) stars worse than a quibby arguably worse than a quibby
0: um the only other joke that that i had uh involved um john mulaney as the uh priest
1: marriage
0: marriage Marriage is what brings us here
1: together today. (laughs) You ever get married, folks? I've done it, and it ended up not well for me. But maybe for these two lovely folks, it'll be fine.
0: And then, you know, at the end, Deadpool finishes the story, and and Spider-Man is just like, can I leave now? And Deadpool just closes the book and goes, as you wish. No, actually, that's a lie. You're here now forever. You're
1: stuck. (laughs) So this week, what you have brought to us is Fast and the Furious presents Princess Bride 2, Deadpool 3, Spider-Man No Way Home 2, Get Deadpool Home, Multiverse of Madness. (laughs) I had to write that whole thing out (laughs)
0: just to make sure I could say it all
1: and run, run.
0: Uh, Gosh, now, now, now the question is, though. For How Whatever long? we do next, uh, do I actually just try to do something or do I keep trying to extend this bit as far as I can possibly take it?
1: Well, the next thing we are doing, we are going to have a guest. And it is, in fact, Charles <laughs> Jeff <Jessica> Kelly. <laughs> Who's not an evil little man with a funny voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I asked Charles, I was like, what What do you want us to do? Like, what movie would you like to do? Any?" He gave me some advice. He he said that the show lately has just been real we've been real selfish. Like I wrote a show about or I wrote a thing about wrestling, which is only about me. And he said that we've spent all of this time thinking about more baby me, which is why next week we're gonna be thinking about more be us.
0: <laughs> I'm going to reach through the computer across space and time (laughs) and fucking wring your
1: neck (laughs) so we're doing morbius next week which means that don't even worry dude it's gonna go bad no matter what really you're
0: doing morbius i'm just gonna be here because unless you send me an envelope full of money for a theater <laughs> ticket it's not happening
1: so i could PayPal no <laughs> envelope full of or money nothing. it needs to
0: be physical tender
1: <laughs> i went to this movie recently uh with the exact goal of recreating when i went to see jonah hex And I was the only person in the theater. So I got to sit there and make fun of it the whole time. Unfortunately, there were eight people in the theater besides us. But luckily, by the time the movie ended, there were only two other people. Oh, my God. (laughs) As a over 50 percent drop off rate for Morbius. And that is what we are talking about next week, baby. Shit. Uh, Until then, do we want people to find us on the Internet this week? no all right. It, all
0: right you can you can go to
1: youtube and
0: search for the Quibi princess Pride instead
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitter at scotty mo I, i'm i'm literally joining megan in the i don't want to do this anymore twitter club though Uh, But you can follow me if you want to increase those numbers Fuck it, I guess Uh, And then you can check us out on The Weird The show where we and Charles Joseph Kelly That evil old man (laughs) with a silly voice Guides us through a series of mysteries And you can find that at jointheweird.com Or on Twitter at jointheweird Charles, this
0: would be like the one time When they actually do listen to this show
1: (laughs) Yeah i heard what you said about me
0: <laughs> in my silly little voice my- <laughs> <laughs> thank you the <to> best <laughs> shut up don't you fucking don't you fucking look at me thank you to best for the music that lets you know that you sure are listening to a podcast and also you sure are no longer listening to a podcast mm-hmm. If you like how that sounds, uh, you can hear more of it at soundcloud.com best hyphen day
1: or searching best day on music. And you can support us at patreon.com slash You get early access to the show every single week sometimes that early access is only three days before it's supposed to come out but it's still early baby it counts it's early Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can get merch at merch.loadedpurebs.com including that brand new hot shit (laughs) that new york slice shirt baby you
0: gotta get yourself a new york slice and let us know on hmm i was gonna say let us know on social media but that's becoming a problem (laughs) You, can come in, you join the discord let us know there i guess if you really want to like reach out and make sure i see something you you could go on my tumblr
1: you could do that you could email at a load of pure bs at gmail.com you know those people that use email nowadays <laughs>
0: you can do that and and uh let us know if you want fuck what was it i even said if, if you can't handle me at my Stanley, you don't deserve me at my yeah. Peter Falk.
1: My favorite <laughs> note I sent you about the New York Slice shirt was when I, uh, I said, should I tell the Discord? And you went, yeah. I said, I have pulled the pin on the grenade and tossed it in. I immediately shut off my computer just to watch what happens.
0: <laughs> I turned off my computer. I threw it out a window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's how you see time fly assuming you have the clock application open on your laptop to where you can see time in any it's all right go to bed Fred. savage
0: <laughs> grandpa that's a <some> bullshit
1: <laughs> that was actually initially my ending for my fan fiction which <laughs> is
0: good. grandpa that's <laughs> horse shit hey grandpa what the fuck
1: grandpa's <laughs> not had a good few days kid go to sleep <laughs>
0: Grandpa's grunkles stand now. Apparently,
1: <laughs> I just really fucking wish Andre had pinned Hogan for the title he deserved. it.
0: Uh, yeah, is that is that what our outro is going to be? You just continuing to to rant and it fades out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull it back up oh, and. <laughs>